You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today it is Monday, which is normally a weekly show for the Lockdown Pacers podcast, but Adam's sister got married this weekend. Congrats to her. So it's just me flying solo. You'll have Adam and I every other day this week because it is draft week. Free agency starts in like nine days. It's crazy. It's all happening so soon. And the rumors are flying. All the big stuff came out. There was a Woj and Lowe special on ESPN. Shams dropped a bunch of news. Uh, It's all happening at the same time. So today we'll start off by covering the latest news from adjacent to the Pacers around the league and Pacers-centric. Then uh, we'll talk about the draft. So big board updates for me. And then uh, the Locked On NBA mock draft was completed. Um, You can listen to that on the Ultimate Mock Draft podcast. It's very good. Uh, And we'll talk about who we picked as the Pacers and the trades we were offered because I actually think many of them were somewhat realistic and stuff the Pacers could do in the real draft. But let's start with the stuff from around the league that we got from various places. So first up, Let's start with the superstar. We've covered this on multiple podcasts, but Ben Simmons, uh, per Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, Raptors, Wolves, Cavs, Pacers, and Kings have all shown interest in acquiring Ben Simmons. Uh, Makes a lot of sense. So we talked about this on the Stars the Pacers Could Acquire podcast, and you can yell at me uh, if you disagree with this on Twitter at TEastNBA or at Lockdown Pacers, but if Ben Simmons is available and the Pacers can get him, they should try everything they can to get him. He is a star on a contract that lasts for at least four seasons he would immediately be the best player on the Pacers they could grow with him with whatever players are left after a trade so if he is available and the Pacers can get him I am of the opinion they should absolutely try to get the best offer to Philly and try to get Ben Simmons um the problem is it sounds like per the same reporting that came out on Simmons that the Sixers are trying to trade Simmons for like a Dame or a Bradley Beal or a star in return. So the longer that Simmons doesn't get traded and the, you know the longer those guys stay on their current teams, I think the Pacers' chances go up and up. So if you are rooting for Simmons to the Pacers, uh, you need to be hoping for that other stars don't really get dealt, that's, that Simmons could be involved in a deal for. And if you're not, then you know, the, you've know you been in, a, in that bandwagon since the playoffs. But I think Simmons would be a great fit on the Pacers. I think he'd be a great fit with Carlisle. I think he's an excellent player, under contract for a very long time. Uh, and the Pacers should do whatever they can to get him if he's truly available. So good to hear that they're involved in these rumors. I mean, as a small market team, they can't get guys like Ben Simmons, number one picks who are absolute studs, all defense locks, all star locks. Uh, two-time All-NBA guys, they don't just become available with low value, not low values, but lower values very often. Like he wouldn't even, if he didn't have six bad games against the Hawks, he wouldn't even be available to the Pacers at all. So to me, if the Pacers can get Ben Simmons, they need to do it. The other thing adjacent to that that could hurt the Pacers' chance of getting Ben Simmons is Persham Strania and honestly a bunch of other outlets and reporters at similar times Bradley Beal is mulling his future with the Wizards. He'll decide reportedly like before the draft, which is Thursday. So this week, if he's available and the Pacers can get him or he has interest in joining the Pacers, I doubt he would. Uh, They should obviously try to get him. Unlike Simmons, though, he only has one more guaranteed year on his deal. So that's a lot riskier for the Pacers. You don't want to give up as much for 
a potential rental, and he's at the position contractually where he can set a list of teams that he'd prefer to go to that could resign him, right? So that one's a little trickier, but if he does become available, he could be a guy that Simmons just traded for or something like that. So that's where it becomes a little hairier for the Pacers. If Beal would like to come to Indiana or he doesn't really care where he goes, yeah, the Pacers should try to get him. He'd be an incredible fit on this team next to Brogdon, next to Sabonis, whoever remains after the deal. He's incredibly good. Uh, if they can get him, they should, but they have to be mindful of the fact that he could be a rental uh, and that he could be involved in the Simmons stuff. So that's the stars rumors that came out today. The more, the lesser stuff, even though it's still very interesting. First from Shams, uh, the Pelicans and Hornets have once again expressed interest in Miles Turner. He reported, uh, surprise, the Hornets have been interested in Miles Turner for a very long time. Uh, the Pelicans as well. I think basically since David Griffin took over, have had some interest uh, in Turner. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. Those two teams are both young and growing. Turner's a young and growing center uh, that he would fit on their timeline. He would fit with the team that they already have. They both need centers. And the defensive thing is things that both of those teams need very desperately. So that's a good fit for both of those teams. And what makes them interesting from a Pacers perspective to me is you look at Charlotte, for example, they have like PJ Washington, the 11th pick in this draft, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham is a sign and trade guy. Terry Rozier is really good. Basically, outside of LaMelo and Hayward, they have a lot of interesting potential trade pieces. If the Pacers are going to deal Turner and they look that way, that makes a lot of sense. The Pelicans, right? Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis. Um, they have the 10th pick in this draft. Uh, I'm certainly missing uh, Josh Hart in a potential free agency situation. Lonzo Ball in a free agency situation. They also have a lot of stuff that in theory makes sense to me from a Pacers acquisition standpoint. So when I look at those two teams, not only have they been fits for the Pacers for a long time, but given how the Pacers season went last year, given how where those two teams are, this could be the time where that deal finally comes to fruition and makes sense for both teams. So I like those two teams as Turner fits more than other teams that could be hunting for a center like, say, Sacramento. Uh, they, they don't quite have the same level of assets they can send the Pacers that makes sense they have the ninth pick obviously that's great but like Bagley has no value at this point Buddy Heald has very low value they don't have a lot of young interesting stuff they'd be willing to give up that makes sense so we'll talk about actually King's uh Turner trades later but um yeah th th that's a little more awkward of a fit unless they're willing to include the ninth pick um but yeah Turner interest from those teams I mean it's been long-standing for both of those organizations anyway but you know it, it re reheats up with the draft coming up and I gotta I gotta put this, I should have started with this, but every rumor around the draft, there's so many teams come up with 10 billion trades they could make during this week or options that they like if this happens or that happens and stuff like that. Don't buy into so many of the rumors. Like just, just chill. Like very rarely do even a 10th of the stuff that comes out during drafts week come true. Like it's stuff that teams have talked about and it gives you insight into what teams are thinking or, you know, it can give you thought processes into you know what what are the Pacers trying to do going forward but it doesn't mean anything specific is going to happen so that's why I like to discuss them they are important especially coming from credible reporters it's just know in your head that it's it's unlikely that like of the four things I have one more to discuss today of the four things we're discussing today I would bet that the Pacers are involved uh, statistically in maybe one but more than likely zero but that's just that's just given how this week works but the last one and one that doesn't make sense to me and I'll explain why we got another report about the Eric Gordon Pacers stuff with the Rockets apparently discussing a deal that would send Eric Gordon and the 23rd pick to the Pacers uh, with the 13th pick going back to Houston. Where do I begin? First of all, Eric Gordon is a good player. I think he's kind of been oh, oh like becoming underrated in the discussion of who Eric Gordon is. When Eric Gordon actually plays, 
He's a pretty good player. He's an okay on-ball defender, can create his own shot, decent three-point shooter, although his three balls kind of disappeared in the last two seasons uh, as he's been injured. However, I just said one of the big problems with Eric Gordon, he has played 50, uh, 63 games in the past two seasons. Not very many, right? He's very often hurt. He's played over 70 games once since his rookie season, right? He's very often hurt, okay? So that hurts him quite a bit. And some of his injuries have been substantial in the last couple of years, right? Playing only 27 games this past season is a bummer for his trade value. Two, his contract is not the greatest, right? Eric Gordon has, uh, let me pull it up so I don't get anything wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's two years left plus a non-guaranteed third year. Yes, he has two more seasons plus a third season that is non-guaranteed but could become guaranteed if he's an all-star and his team wins a championship uh, anytime on the deal, which if that happens, whatever. But there's still two more years at like 37.7 million. That's kind of a lot. So I would say between the injuries and the contract, Eric Gordon, even though I, again, he's good, like he has good NBA skills, uh, is like an, a neutral value player. So if the Pacers actually trade, and, and let me get to why they won't make this exact trade, but 13 for 23 plus Gordon is terrible value to me. Like that, that is just moving back 10 spots with no asset in return. That doesn't make sense to me unless you, even if you love Eric Gordon, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, so I get why the Rockets would do this. I get why the Pacers would do this. But let me add in another caveat that isn't discussed at all in this. To get Eric Gordon, you can't just have him. The Pacers don't have cap space. They'd have to send out like 14 point something million in salary to match this deal. And like Lamb plus, that takes Lamb or a starter as well, like you have, you have to do Lamb plus something else. So it's either a starter or Lamb plus Aaron Holiday or Lamb plus Goga or something like that. And then it becomes too much because you have you're now you're giving up a young player and a I mean Lamb obviously the Pacers would like to get off his money, but they don't want to get off his money to then get more expensive with Eric Gordon. That defeats the purpose to an extent. So it doesn't make sense to me for many reasons. The only way it would make sense to me is if. There's like a, a missing piece from the Rockets side of the Pacers. Like the 24th pick is also involved or Jay Sean Tate is also involved. And Tate has too much value by himself to make this trade possible, right? If Tate's involved, suddenly the Pacers would have to give up 13 plus a young player or more even. But, you know, I think that because the salaries don't even make sense, that that is not even close to the full construction of the trade. But that said, that in a vacuum, 23 plus Gordon for 13, it would be a disastrous trade for the Pacers. So I feel like there has to be more, but I wanted to discuss it because it's it's the hottest Pacers rumor. I mean, we've been hearing it for months and months, not months, but weeks, basically, that there's been Rockets Pacers talk involving 13 and 23 and um, stuff like that. So yeah, that that's my thoughts on that and where the, what the Pacers should be thinking about and what I think the Pacers should be thinking about. Even the highest on Eric Gordon, and I, again, I like him. I like that he went to IU and is from India, although that shouldn't factor in his value. But, you know... That, that would be not a good trade. Even if you love him, that would not be a good trade. So there's probably more to that. There has to be legally. Um, but, the, you know, the more to that would have to be substantial to me to uh, really change my opinion of that deal. But let's move on to draft stuff. It is draft week. The draft is in three days. How is that possible? This offseason is flying by. But first, let's take a short little break so I can talk to you guys about the great folks over at Bill Bar because they are making the best tasting protein bars ever. They have so many delicious flavors. There's something for everybody. If you talk to a Bill Bar fan like me, they're always passionate about their favorite flavors. Although I usually get the mixed box with two of each of their nine like core flavors. Um, but I love the double chocolate. I love the cookies and cream. I mean, I, 
I used to love the peanut butter brownie the most, but I, you know, I change it up so much these days since I have them for lunch almost every day now. Um, but you're missing out if you're not trying them. Not only are Built Bar flavors very good and tasty, they're also healthy too. Most of them have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that pretty cool? So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The draft is this week. I literally can't believe it. I mean, I feel like I've been scouting guys for so long, but I have sort of been thinking about free agency too, so I stopped heavily scouting guys, and I still have some yellow names on my list of guys I need to watch. And the draft is in three days, and I can't believe it. And the Pacers have a very important draft because they just had a down season. Their youth pipeline isn't looking awesome. They have a lottery pick for the first time since they selected Miles Turner. They need to do well in this draft. They need to come out of this draft either with a solid young guy or some equivalent veteran asset plus future stuff to me. To me. So this is a big draft. This is a very important one. And the more that mocks come out from people with Intel, it seems like the range of guys who might be available to them or might not be is, is sort of materializing. Uh, so it's pretty interesting to see that all shake out. And I want to run through my big board and see how that kind of compares to what public perception is and talk about why I like or don't like guys in this range. And this is not a Pacers related big board that I have made. But I want to say two things. One, I will include in this run-through of the list if I think they make sense for the Pacers, uh, especially at 13 or in that range if they decide to move. But also, I want to talk about pre-draft workouts for a second. People are always like, why are the Pacers bringing in all these second-round guys? Or, oh, this guy is going to go top 10 or bottom 10 in the first round. Why are they bringing him in? Well, these guys aren't on teams yet. They, the Pacers have a draft workout Monday. Like, if you're listening to this Monday, they have a draft workout today. Uh, so they're still bringing guys in because when they're not on a team yet or their draft rights aren't owned by a team, they can go anywhere and meet with the front office and work out for them. So you can see the guy in your building, see what his character is, see what his skills are, see how he practices, see how he communicates with your coaching staff and learn that about him so that later on in the future, when he is in the NBA, if he becomes a good player, you know more about him than you would have otherwise. So even if they are a second round guy or a guy who doesn't necessarily make sense for the Pacers at their draft slot, Knowing that information is very valuable uh, for the, the life of their career with other teams, right? It's not just for the draft. It's for a much longer range purpose than that. So let's run through the guys again. I only have 30 ranked, although I've only really dug in enough to rank um, like 25 of them. I have uh, seven names, so 23 uh, guys that I haven't watched enough of, but I'm going off of some bursts of film, some that I've seen from watching other players and some talks from guys who I know, as well as some scouts even. So let's run through this. I have the same top four as every mock draft you've read on the internet. Uh, Cade Cunningham is my best player. He'd be an awesome fit on the Pacers. He's good at so many basketball things. Um, just a special player. Evan Mobley is my number two. It sounds like he's going to go number three to Cleveland, um, but excellent big. Like Doesn't move like a big. That's usually a good sign that bigs are going to end up being good defenders in the NBA. So he looks like he's going to be an awesome defender and decent offensive player with a very high offensive ceiling. I have him number two, Jalen Green, number three, potentially the best scorer in this draft class. And Jalen Suggs, number four from Gonzaga, great leader. All four of those guys would be great fits with the Pacers. Mobley, obviously the most awkward because he's a center, uh, but he can play four. I think he'll end up playing four if he gets drafted by Cleveland next to Jared Allen. But Jalen Green, I mean, the electric scoring guard and Suggs, same deal. Like the Pacers, while they have a bunch of guards, they would immediately have more value and need deserve playing time. 
and fit with the Pacers right away, right? They would, they would come off the bench and immediately provide a spark. So that's my first tier. My next tier is three guys, Moses Moody, Scotty Barnes, and Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper, who we picked in the ultimate mock draft, which we'll talk about in the next segment when we talk about draft night trades. Love Moses Moody. His in-between game is so good. I love his floater and his ability to, to pass when he gets into the teeth of the defense. He can get by guys. He can shoot a little. Huge wingspan, good defender. I just, to me, it seems very obvious that his floor is so high, and he has a decent ceiling because you know I love that floater game from prospects. Right, That means that if they get by a defender, but they get cut off before the rim, they still have something they can do to be effective. Right, a lot. Of, this is a problem Aaron Holiday has. Aaron Holiday, for a long time, was good at getting by the first line of defense, but then when help defense would come, he wouldn't have a plan, and he would freak out and turn it over all the time. That, that happens even to Karis LeVert now. He's a vet, right? Got, Karis has the floater, so he gets away with it sometimes. But Aaron Holiday very often gets stuck, and he added that left-handed floater this year that helped him a little. But that, that floater helps those guys so much. So I'm really high on Moses Moody. Scotty Barnes might end up being the best defender in this draft class. Uh, maybe not because Mobley is also amazing. But, you know, terrific uh, perimeter defender. A good, smart offensive player as well. He's very good. He would fit amazingly with the Pacers to me. And Sharif Cooper, who I'm so high on and have number seven, excellent creator for himself and others, would fit beautifully with any team. He can blow by defenders, create shots for himself and his teammates. These are very high-level overviews because segments aren't that long for this. Um, so I'll try to get through these guys a little faster because I'm way too far into this podcast. Uh, my next tier is just two guys, Kuminga, Jonathan Kuminga, and Josh Giddy. Kuminga super athletic, but super raw on offense. So he could be very good. He could end up being one of the best four players in this draft class. He could also end up being an inefficient offensive chucker. Who he'll still be a good defender, I think, because of his speed and athleticism. But uh, certainly some limitations there. But I haven't made. I think he'll be good. This is kind of to me though. You know, he's kind of a linchpin of this draft. If he starts falling, guys could move up. Like teams could move up for him. And there's been talks of, uh, in a lot of reporting that. Teams want to move up into the lottery. That 9 through 14 range would be where you do it. If Kuminga gets to 9, I think the draft could get really crazy. And then Josh Giddy uh, from Australia, excellent shot creator, like genius-level shot creator and passer. Uh, good off the dribble game, can get to the rim. He, he has a lot of limitations on defense, but he's just – I have brilliant uh, in in my words for him and my in my notes for players. Giddy and Kuminga would both be great. Honestly, everybody in the top 10 would be good fits with the Pacers to me. Um, but yeah, Giddy and Kuminga, especially because they can play on the wing as well as guards would be excellent fits. I have James Booknight, number 10. Uh, he can, uh, you, you should read Mark Schindler's piece about him on IndieCornrows.com, but he's a really good self creator on offense. Uh, has some defensive limitations, but shooting up draft boards because if you can create your own shot, you can be a good NBA player. Uh, he'd be a good fit with the Pacers for that reason. A little short on the short side, so he'd probably be stuck, uh, one through three, maybe even one through two, but uh, would be a good fit with any team because he can create his own shot. That's my top 10. And I like my 11 through, well, I have a lot. Book night through my 19th guy are all the same tier. So I understand people changing guys around in this tier. I do not fault a team for picking my 19th guy, 10th or whatever. Um, but 11, I have Kai Jones. The Pacers should not pick Kai Jones. He's an excellent center, runs like a gazelle, awesome on defense, has a ton of perimeter skills. He's going to be good. 12, Jaden Springer. From Tennessee, just a very smart, level-headed point guard who can do a lot. Uh, Tennessee guys always impress me, like year after year in the draft. They just, they're so good at, at reading the game and, and creating for their teammates. And, you know, some of the stuff I like about Sharif Springer does at a little lower level, but he's a good defender as well. Excellent transition game. I think he's quite good. He'd be a good fit with the Pacers uh, as well. Although he would, I think probably from here down, let's assume just one of McConnell or McDermott is back. 
But I think probably from here down, everybody would struggle to get minutes as a rookie on the Pacers, I would say, because they have so many combo-y guards. Uh, I guess if McConnell doesn't come back, some of these point guards could sneak minutes, but they have so many combo-e guards and, and forwards that it'd be hard for these guys to get more than maybe five to ten minutes per game, a la Goga, his first couple years. 13th, I have Kispert, awesome shooter, decent off the dribble game. Uh, decent athleticism can really dunk it really good in transition not a great defender for sure a uh, good team defender but not a great on ball defender which will definitely hurt him in the nba he'll get picked on in pick and rolls for a few years of his career but his offensive game is is really solid i think he'd be a great fit on any team i mean shooting wings are so valuable i have trey man 14 that's one of my higher guys than consensus from florida he has worked out and interviewed with the pacers good self-creator he he's really good i have this in my notes at slowing down right like when he's, he's really fast, but deceleration, I guess, is the right word. When defenders come up and try to cut off his three, he can just slow down for a second, let the offense start to settle, and then boom, it'll blow by a guy and score. Uh, Jalen Johnson, 15. Uh, he's really a solid defender, really good in transition. His creation ability or his ability to get good shots is not there. That's why I have him 15. But, I mean, if that can even get somewhat good, I mean, he'll be a good NBA player. I think his defense and transition game give him a pretty high floor. Keon Johnson, 16. He's yellow. I've watched him mostly because I was watching Springer, but good defender, good athlete, very physical. Uh, when I was watching him, I think he's going to be a good NBA player as well. Though, obviously, his raw offensive game makes me worried about his ceiling being kind of low. So I have him 16. Uh, Jalen Johnson would be an excellent fit on the Pacers, by the way, just because they don't have those fours. And a problem with discussing, and I see a lot of this in drafts where it's like, oh, wow, if the Pacers draft Jaden Springer, he could be a good fit in the backcourt alongside Malcolm Brogdon. It's like, by the time Springer's good, Brogdon might not be on the team. Like, it's not right to think that way. And I'm sort of discussing fit on the Pacers a little too present tense here. Um, but Jalen Johnson fit with the guys who will be here for a long time is good, right? And that matters a lot to me. And that's why I think he's one of the better fits in this tier. Um, Franz Wagner at 17. Uh, that's lower than most people. Sounds like the Kings like him quite a bit. Uh, he is... You know, really positionally sound, good shooter, a good play finisher, good defender. Uh, I'm just not quite sure the ceiling is there. I haven't watched enough of him to get a good opinion. The off-the-dribble game is not super solid. But he's in this tier with a lot of other guys who are really talented. And then my next – oh, he'd be a good fit with the Pacers as well. Uh, forwards are always, you know, in, in demand and will fit well with this Pacers core. 18 and 19, the Butler guards, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell. This ends my tier of – Guys I like and think will be, you know, rotation to starter level in their career. Uh, based, not for sure, but, you know, I believe highly in them. Both will be decent fits with the Pacers. Butler more so for his offensive fit. Davion for his defensive fit. We'll see where those guys end up. 20 through 22 are guys that I think have really solid potential, but um, their NBA careers could end up being, you know, not super awesome because they're pretty raw at this point. Zaire Williams from... Stanford, uh, funky shot, weird creation ability. Like sometimes it's great and sometimes it's completely horrible. But good defender, thought of highly by his peers. He could end up being really good. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova, great defender. He's kind of like Jalen Johnson, light, basically. Uh, both him and Williams would be good fits with the Pacers. Then Alperen Sengun, um, the Turkish prospect post player. He's like 6'8", but he has incredible post moves, but he's an awful perimeter defender. I think everything I read about him, from from people who watch him, I like don't see the same thing at all. Uh, so I have him 22. I think I get why he could be good, but I have more of a feeling he won't be any good, and I don't think he'd be a good fit with the Pacers at all. He does not have the perimeter offensive game to fit with any of their core guys who will be around for a while, and I think he'd be a pretty poor fit in a Carlisle-style offense. 23 for me is a guy who's in his own tier of, 
I actually think he could be, he should be moved up. I'm going to move this guy up by the time the draft starts. Is Usman Garuba. Uh, he's playing for Spain in the Olympics right now. He played for Real Madrid. Really solid post defender. Has some decent post moves, but it's pretty weak with the ball in general. But he is an excellent defender as, at the forward spot. Would be a good fit uh, with the Pacers for that alone. And then 24 down. These are guys that uh, scare me a little bit. Uh, as first-round guys in general, like in a normal draft, I'd probably rate them as high second-rounders. But they're talented. They certainly have NBA-level skills. Cam Thomas, 24, can really score from LSU, like can do anything on offense. I don't think I've seen him try in any other aspect of the game, though, so it's hard for me to grade him. He's in the green room, though, so likely he'll go top 20 or just after. 25, JT Thor from Auburn. Oh, Cam Thomas, good fit with the Pacers. JT Thor, center from Auburn. Good perimeter skills, great defender, not a good fit with the Pacers. 26, Chris Duarte. He's talented as a scorer. I watched some of his Juco film. He's a good cutter, really good cutter. Uh, so he's a good on and off ball player. He's grown a ton in his college career, but he's 24. He's the same age as Aaron Holiday. He's older than Brandon Ingram, who got drafted in 2016. Totally wild how old he is. I can't believe how high he's about to get picked in this draft. He's like, he's fine, but he's so old already. Like, even if he gets really good... By the time you're signing him to his second contract, he'll be like 28, going on 29. Like that, that's that is. I know that you you can't overdo age too much, but Kispert's the other senior who's only 22. Like you're losing two years of a guy's NBA prime. That's risky, especially if he's not if you're not sold on his skills. I'm not sold on Duarte. I don't buy his fit with the Pacers for that reason. He's not even in their youth pipeline really if they pick him. But he he'll be an okay NBA player as his time goes along. 27 Bones Highland from VCU. Terrific off the dribble score. I like him quite a bit. I think he'll be good and be a good fit with the Pacers. 28, Trey Murphy the third, Good shooter, but I have, he's got kind of a strange form, and he's like a twitchy. Like Sometimes he really thinks he should shoot shooter, and sometimes he really doesn't think he should shoot. Trey Murphy gets billed as this 3 and D prospect. I would like people who bill him as a 3 and D prospect to watch some Virginia basketball because I do not see any D or very limited D from Trey Murphy. I think he can, he'll be an NBA player because he can shoot, but uh, strange assessment of his defense to me so i have him 28th even though a lot of mocks have him a little higher than that i am blowing through this segment way too long absolutely way too long two more guys isaiah jackson from kentucky 29 he doesn't have a ton of great ball skills he's an okay defender in space but he is excellent 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 as a rebounder probably not the best fit with the pacers because that's his best skill and they don't really need post presences but he's a good player uh bones highland would be an awesome fit with the pacers duarte okay fit and murphy and fit because the defense is weak. Last guy in my first round, Deuce McBride from West Virginia. Just a fun, talented point guard. Really good in space. Good at creating. Decent shooter. I think he'll be a good NBA player. Okay. Whew. I'm way, way over at one segment length. Deuce would be a good fit with the Pacers as well. Let's talk about trades that were potentially available to the Pacers in the ultimate mock draft. And if they're realistic or if they make sense for the Pacers given how they've uh, thought about the draft so far. But first, real quick, let's talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. You can track the action over there. Plus, you know, besides MLB, they've got UFC, MMA. They've got some off-season stuff going for NBA futures. The NBA draft is on there. For example, uh, let's see, a, a Pacers-y connected guy. Chris Duarte, his over-under for getting drafted is 17 and a half, which is very interesting. Guys right around 13 on there. Corey Kispert's at 14. Davion Mitchell's at 10 and a half. Josh Giddy is at 12, right? So you can kind of track all that over at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, before the next game tips, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news sign-up bonuses and contest info. Don't send on the sidelines. Head over to that website. 
Sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code locked on. That is betonline.ag, promo code locked on, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Trades, everybody's favorite thing. So the ultimate mock draft, we could do anything. We could pick a player. We could make trades. We could even trade guys who weren't even involved with the draft pick trade. That would kind of defeat the purpose of this, though. Um, go listen to the whole thing. It's awesome. The the Lockdown NBA Draft guys and the Draft Dummies podcast review all the picks. Chad Ford from ESPN and Chad Ford's Big Board. Great all the picks. Uh, Ryan McDonough, former Suns GM, is on there. Brian Scalabrini is on there. It's really great. It's really good. You can hear thoughts and analysis on literally every draft prospect. And you can hear us get praised and flamed simultaneously for picking Sharif Cooper at 13. But let's talk about some of the trades we were offered in this exercise. It was very fun to do. So first up with the Knicks, the New York Knicks, who have the 19th and 21st pick. We were talking about moving back to trade with the New York Knicks. The trade was Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and the 13th pick for the 19th pick the 21st pick and the 32nd pick in this draft. So the Pacers would move back nine or six spots with their first, but also pick up 21 and 32 in exchange for Aaron holiday and Jeremy lamb. The Knicks guys ultimately were not interested when it came down to it at the very end, which I thought made some sense. I thought that was a little uh, too much from them, but in general, I like that framework of, you know, 19, 21, 13, 32, Aaron Holiday and Lamb. Like, those pieces all make sense. Uh, the Knicks have cap space to take in Lamb, too. Like, I think those pieces are all there. I think maybe you take out 32 and you're getting somewhere. Or if the Knicks have, like, a worse second rounder, that would make some sense. But I, I think that's somewhat realistic for both teams. Maybe the Knicks people can tell me why I'm being a little too rosy for them here. But the Pacers, you know, they've talked about Kevin Pritchard on the radio said that, that you know, it's always – the pick you have, there's always two less guys you like in the draft. And I know he's being a little facetious when he talks like that. You know, haha, we're just outside the range we want or whatever. But, um, you know, if you if they really believe that or they really don't think they can get their star guy in the top whatever, they might move back and acquire more assets and still get some guys they want later in the first round. I think that'd be a good way to do it because uh, the Knicks, by many reporting outlets, would like to move up. So I thought that was interesting, pretty realistic, and one that I would – I would think about the next one. We'll have the Kings in here two times uh, was miles Turner was involved here. Miles Turner and the 13th pick would go to the Kings for Marvin Bagley. Oh, this was also um, the, the Kings traded for the 29th pick from the Suns in this scenario. So Turner and 13 for Marvin Bagley, the ninth pick, the 29th pick and a future first. Whoo. Okay. So, that was a lot from the Kings. It's basically the ninth pick, the 29th pick, and a future first. That's like three firsts. But Turner is worth one first. The 13th is another good one. And the 29th pick has a lot less value. So I thought that was close to even. Bagley has no value to me. He's just salary. In this scenario, I liked the Knicks trade better than this. But I mean, I don't think the Knicks would, or the Kings, excuse me, would actually give up this much in real life for Turner plus 13. I think the future first would probably be not involved in this situation. But the framework's interesting. The Kings really need a big, and he Turner can have a nice impact for them. Uh, I think nine is too much for Turner, but including 13 and trying to get equal value for 13 by using 29 in a future first, I thought was an interesting way for the Locked On Kings guys to do that. Because Bagley had no value, though, I ultimately said no because I thought the 13 had more value than 29 in a future first. But that was close. That was a very interesting offer from the Kings. The Mavs called. The Mavs rang up the Pacers in this. Talking about Chris Stapps Porzingis. We talked about him on the 
stars the Pacers could acquire podcast from earlier this month. Um, Porzingis played for Carlisle last year. Not really sure how much, uh, if there's any, you know, good relationship, bad relationship there. I'm not sure. Um, They were hoping for, you know, Turner and 13 to be involved in a trade for KP. Absolutely not uh, was, was my reaction to that. I pretty much view Porzingis myself as, you know, maybe a slightly positive asset, but mostly uh, neutral in my head. And so Turner and 13, both positive assets. No way I would trade those two. If I'm in charge of the Pacers for Chris Epps, Porzingis, they would have to include an asset on their end to get just Turner for Porzingis, I think. Um, but maybe not. But um, that was another one that was on the table that I thought, you know, I, I thought about it because Porzingis would be good and could be a good fit on this Pacers team as a guy who can play the four uh, and actually be that perimeter four they've been searching for for so long. But ultimately, turn that one down as well. I think the Kings were the most aggressive trade team in all this. Um, but they, uh, Matt George over at Lockdown Kings, also, this was the first trade offer we got. It was first a bonus right away. Woo. He said, let's get a deal done here. I'm ready to offer Bagley, Heald, number nine, and a future first for Sabonis and Salary Filler. I, of course, declined. Uh, most notably citing the Magic's trade of Vucevic, netting Wendell Carter, two firsts and salary. So getting number nine and one future first and salary seems like a lot less than that for me. Uh, so that's why I said no. But also Bagley and Heald basically mean nothing to me as assets. I mean, maybe Heald. Could be, but Bagley has just not been that good in the NBA. So I just view him as a neutral or negative. I mean, he's making a ton of money next year. Like he's like like nine million dollars in next year. So maybe he becomes worth it, but I did not think so. Oh, I didn't grade the realism of the Mavs trade, but I don't think that Porzingis has positive value. So I did not think that one was that realistic. But for this this Kings one, I just don't think Sabonis is a guy that Pacers are gonna be thinking about moving. And I don't get why they would trade Sabonis instead of Turner to a team like the Kings. Um, but this is also too low a value for Sabonis anyway. So I found this one to be somewhat unrealistic. Those were the only teams that we had like longer than one message trade talks with were those ones. And I thought they were all interesting, but uh, nothing nothing I accepted, of course. We ended up picking 13. Uh, we also talked with the Suns about uh, McDermott in a sign-in trade for 29 plus the equivalent salary. And this was funny because I think this was one day we were doing this exercise one day after Dario Saric tore his ACL and would be out for much of next season because if Saric was the salary and it was Saric plus 29 for McDermott to sign and trade, I think the Pacers would, would should consider that. Um, but the problem is now his his money is totally dead next year, so his value is way lower. And the Suns don't have good ways to make up the money in a sign and trade like that without him. You know, it would have to be like Jay Crowder or something, and that's probably too much to include with a first-rounder for Doug McDermott. So we couldn't get anything there, but I, I liked the – you know, we've, we've talked about this in past uh, locked-on mock drafts. The Jazz tried to trade their late first for McDermott a few years ago. Something like that, McDermott in the sign-and-trade for a late first makes a ton of sense, I think, for teams that are contending and want some shooting. We'll talk about McDermott sign-and-trades tomorrow because let's plan out or explain the rest of this week on Locked On Pacers because, again – Free agency starts next Monday. Uh, the draft is Thursday. So tomorrow will be, again, the season is over. So we finished our player season recaps last week. We're done talking about last season for a while now. This week, tomorrow we'll finish up our free agency, like high-level overview previews. And we're doing a show called McConnell or McDermott. If the Pacers can only pick one between McConnell and McDermott, which one should it be? We'll run through the pros and cons. 
of picking one or the other uh, and what it could mean for the rest of Pacers free agency. Wednesday, draft week preview, talking about the Pacers trades, what they could do, guys we like, etc. Thursday, official draft preview, talking about whatever deals have been made already at that point in the league, looking at the 13th pick in more detail. Friday, reacting to the draft. Maybe we'll do a Saturday pod previewing free agency because of the draft because free agency starts next Monday. It's all going to be chaotic. It's all going to be awesome. Adam and I will do every show together. So yeah, it's going to be a fun week and you guys need to listen to all of it. So subscribe, do whatever you have to do to get Locked On Pacers in your feed. And please follow me on Twitter at TEastNBA and the show at Locked On Pacers. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you're ready for the chaos of draft week and free agency. We'll break it all down on this show. Thank you guys for listening and have a great week.